Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Gear up, Dolphin fans, because it is about to be a wild offseason. Jake and Josh are piloting this ship as we prepare for a new era of Miami Dolphins football. If you don't already, follow them on Twitter at jmendel94 and at house. Help our community grow by hitting the subscribe button and leaving a review. We thank you all for the support. Now let's talk some football. Good afternoon, Dolphin fans, and welcome into a March 8th franchise tag episode of SB Nation's official Miami Dolphins podcast, The Jake and Josh Show. We have lots to talk about after the Dolphins officially did the unthinkable, placing the franchise tag on tight end Mike Gesicki. We will get into all of that, but first, let me welcome in the one, the only, my co-host, Jake Mendel. How's it going today, Jake? Josh, it is a new week. We have free agency Less than, what, eight, seven days away from now. So this is where things start to get serious. This is where we go full Madden mode and really start to figure out how we're going to build a super team. That makes no sense, but we're going to do it anyway. And, Josh, I have to say, Mike Kosicki seems like a pretty good place to start. He does, and I think we both agreed, you know, if we were the general manager, we would at least, you know, we'd at least be stuck with a difficult decision to make on whether Manuel Agba, Mike Kosicki. But when you looked at the franchise tag, I think it was, what, $19 million for a defensive end? 11 million, a little under 11 million for the tight end. So it made perfect sense. But I don't know about you, man, but we knew the deadline was approaching 4 p.m. later today. I don't know, man. I just kind of felt like this was going to be the same old Dolphins. They were just going to sit on their ass and not do anything. But lo and behold, Adam Schefter, the news broke. And here we are, man. We got our tight end at least for one more year. Yeah, Josh. And I got to ask you with that. You mentioned the fact that, you know, we're not really used to the team using the tag. And my bad, I didn't look up who the last person to be tagged was. But I think it's kind of interesting, Josh, because there haven't been many like noteworthy players worthy of the tag in the you know last couple of years of the Dolphins. And this is kind of a, I don't want to say a panic year, but a big year because, I mean, you got Emmanuel Arba, like I'll say just a top 10 defensive end. We could probably get nuts and bolts and go even higher if we wanted to, but we're not going to do that. And Mike Gesicki, you know, is he a tight end? Is he a wide receiver? That That's not what's important. What's important is that the team kept a good player in the building. And I think that's kind of the key here. This is the first personnel decision. No, I mean, we signed West Coast Matt Collins, but this was the first real big move we saw Mike McDaniel make as the coach of the Miami Dolphins. Mike Kosicki, he's going to stay around for his third head coach. And Josh, that $11 million price tag, like you mentioned, the Dolphins have until July 15th to work out a long-term deal with the tight end. Uh, but Josh, I got to ask you, this is something we've been talking about for some time now. Not only do they have until July 15th to work out a long-term deal, there's a possibility, and this is why we kind of thought the Dolphins might avoid using the franchise tagging Gusecki and maybe trying to just put together a three-year deal, is the fact that all of a sudden people are talking about this today, but 
Mike Kosicki, he views himself as a wide receiver, not necessarily a tight end. And you mentioned the defensive end uh, franchise tag being 19 mil. Josh, for a wide receiver, it's 18 mil compared to that 10 mil for a tight end. So I want to ask you, this is something we've had a couple of conversations about. Are you concerned that there's going to be any buildup of drama? Um, it seems like there always is with franchise tags, but in this case specifically with Gasecki wanting to be maybe paid as a tight end compared to a wide receiver um, just to make, you know, a couple extra bucks. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. how. Yeah, I don't know how, you know, their feet are going to be set set in stone. You know, they're going to say and say, you know, we want to be paid as a wide receiver. I mean, we talked about before, man, if we were an agent of Mike Kosicki, you know, we'd probably sit here and we'd be right there on, on like with this. You know, we'd be yeah. banging the table. Mike Kosicki is a receiver. I think right underneath that Armando tweet, uh, Field Yates posted Mike Kosicki snaps lineman in 2021, uh, played in the backfield, 24 snaps in the slot, 402 snaps out wide 218 and at traditional tight end only 140 times. So when you're reading off that list, man, he absolutely has, you know, at least some bit of a grievance here, but I don't know that these things ever, you know, see the light of day. I think the team ultimately you're reaching your franchise tags because you want to hopefully reach a long-term deal. So hopefully they can find, you know, a middle ground here. But when you look at some of those top tight ends, I haven't pulled up here uh, heading in 2022, you know, George Kittle's making 16 million Hunter Henry, 15 John U. Smith, 13, and Austin Hooper, 13. Right after that is the, all the franchise tag then there with Dalton Schultz, David Njoko, Mike Kosicki. So I don't think that he ha- he does absolutely have a real argument here, but I don't think, again, these things truly see a light of day. I did look it up, Jake, the last time the Dolphins franchise tagged someone, and maybe we should remember this, man. It was Jarvis Landry. I guess we forget that the Dolphins oh, wow, ended up yeah. trading him. But, uh, oh, yes, looked, before. Yes. Looked it up. They franchise tagged him. Looked like he was making uh, – they would have paid him 16 uh, over $16 million, and then obviously they traded him, I think, to – the Cleveland Browns for what was it? Two second round draft picks. I don't remember what it was, but Adam Gase definitely said he was going to send uh, Jarvis Landry to Cleveland so his uh, career could die. Correct? Was that not what they com- comment? So uh, I don't know, man. But I'm I'm stoked that Mike Kosicki's locked up again. I just didn't know how. When you look at some of those the tight ends around the league, I mean, they're a long term deal is going to get him upwards of 14 million plus a season. So locking him up for one year, 11 million again. Mike McDaniel's offense. I mean, he has to have a way to utilize him despite his blocking woes. Yeah, and I think it's important to keep in mind as we're talking like the wide receiver tag compared to the tight end tag and that, you know, $8 million threshold. I've seen some tweets, man, and it seems like people are under the impression that like Gasicki's going to want that $19 million. I don't think there's no way in hell he even expects that. I think it's just kind of a, uh, you know, a, a starting point in terms of, hey, we might be close to this end, so maybe we can come to a deal, like you said, that $14, 15000000 million. Uh, but Josh, I think it's important to keep in mind too, Mike Kosicki isn't coming, you know, off of one of his best years. It's important to keep in mind, yes, the Dolphins defense, excuse me, Dolphins offense in general wasn't good, uh, but he's coming off a two touchdown season. Um, Where do you see this going in terms of that contract? Do you see this being a guy who's going to survive another, you know, four years of a coaching staff? Is that run blocking going to be a major concern for Mike McDaniel moving forward? Um, Because I think when you look at someone like Kosicki, you do want to lock him up. You know, we spent, months talking about him and Emmanuel Agba, like you got to lock them up before you get to this point. But now we reach this point of, you know, using the franchise tag, not getting a quote unquote good deal done, you know, before the open market hits. Is, is this going to impact how the Dolphins can keep Kosicki moving forward by just using the franchise tag? 
It may be. I mean, we might be just prolonging the inevitable here, right? I mean, I think that's kind of a way to view this. I think that what it comes down to for me is you look at this roster, you look at this offense, you look at all the pieces you need to bring in. I mean, you can't let Mike Kosicki go, man. I mean, you can't. You can't assume that Hunter Long's going to take on that role. You know what Shaheen does. Durham Smyce a free agent. So I think when you looked at the roster, they absolutely need to bring Kosicki back. But I'm not, you know, going to sit here and run out and buy a Dolphins Mike Kosicki jersey. I don't think any fans should because there's just too much up in the air here. I know a lot of fans think maybe this is going to be a, a tag and trade. I don't know, again, if that's the case. I think the Dolphins genuinely realize that, you know, Mike Kosicki is a playmaker. I mean, we know he can't block. We know he's not a traditional tight end by those numbers we threw out here. But, okay, so he's a big, massive six foot six slot wide receiver that you can utilize better in the red zone than what you've done in years past. So, uh, I don't know, man. I'm giddy to see the way they utilize him. I do have to throw out these few quotes from Merrick Braves article earlier today. He said, uh, it was Mike McDaniel said, there are multiple ways to use players. We've had tight ends in our history that have been featured pass catchers. We have no problem, hesitation we're concerned in Mike being able to block. So, um, you know, Mike McDaniel can see the vision here and realizes how talented Mike, uh, Mike Kosicki is. Now the Dolphins just got to go out there and, and see what he can do. But you threw out those numbers, Jake. I mean, I, I can sit here and say with confidence that I believe a lot more than two touchdowns if he's in that Mike McDaniel <laughs> offense, can't you? Josh, you're 100% right. And let's talk about the blocking for a minute. And I want to bring up a, you know another Mike McDaniel quote where he was talking about Jalen Waddell and Debo Samuel. And he said, Debo Samuel didn't become Debo Samuel because you're looking for Debo Samuel, right? We need to have the same conversation about Mike Kosicki and whether it's Greg Kittle or any other sort of tight end that we want to talk about. Josh, do you feel that the pendulum might've swung too far in terms of the, you know, he can't block? Yes. You know, he had a career high 780 yards on 73 catches last year. Additionally, he is lined up in the slot on 816 occasions since 2018, the most, or excuse me, the seventh most of any tight end in that span. And he's only missed one game in four years. But I think my, I guess, question for you, Josh, is we remember Adam Gase, his rookie year, we were using the B word, we were, we were calling Gasicki a bust because he couldn't block. Now, I don't think anyone expects him to, you know, line up against TJ Watt and hold him down, but did we, did the Dolphins get too far away from even using him as someone who can chip or someone who can just kind of bounce off the line, hit someone and then go out on a route? Is that something that we could see, you know, like a sickie start to do more and more, maybe not, you know, stay in the block like a Durham Smythe can, but have some sort of impact in that game? Because I think just generally speaking, he's too talented of a player to not be able to do something like that. Again, I'm not saying he's going to sit out there and block someone for five, six seconds, but he was never used to chip. He was never used, just kind of lined up on the line to confuse people. I mean, I think that's where the major, you know, boom we could see in his performance is not him blocking, but being used as a blocker or starting as a blocker and growing. Yeah, I think we take it too literal, you know, that he's just this terrible blocker and, you know, he has Tyrannosaurus Rex arms and just can't get a hand on anyone. I mean, I think we definitely look at that too literal. I have uh, pulled up in his rookie season. He only caught the ball 22 times. I mean, I think that's why a lot of us, you know, immediately thought he was going to transition right away, be this big playmaker. But uh, we all remember Adam Gase keeping him back. I think he's one of the most like um, – highly rated pass blockers of rookies that season or something 50 percent of his snaps it was something out of this world man so Crazy. i don't know i think again when you i, I like george godsey i mean i wasn't gonna bash him as a tight ends coach because i do think he's one of the more well-respected coaches at least the tight end coach around the league but man i mean you're bringing in Embry, you're bringing in some of these other guys that have had success you know developing some of these top tier tight ends had had success you know getting them to run block and do things like that so I, I don't think he can't do it i'm excited to see if he can do a little bit more but you're right man i mean maybe they saw durham smite and Adam Shaheen and some of those other guys and realize, you know, they were just that much better at doing those little things. Why not line Mike Kosicki up in the slot, you know, create a mismatch there. I Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com. 
With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Josh, one thing I've always done since I've started covering the Miami Dolphins is I love to look at how the team is allocating resources. I mean, I remember for years we would yell about Matt Moore being like a top three, top four, uh, highest paid Miami Dolphins. And I got to ask you, man, if you're keeping Mike Asicki around, who if he signs that tag, he instantly becomes the third highest player on the Dolphins. Again, they still have $52 million in cap space. So obviously there are going to be more moves made. Is there a situation here with your, when you're spending so much money on Mike Gesicki, this is a team that had five tight ends on the roster last season. This is a team the year before that set franchise records for tight end completions, tight end yardage, tight end touchdowns. The entire room, Durham Smythe, Adam Shaheen, all those guys had strong seasons when it was uh, Chan Gailey as the offensive coordinator. So, Josh, how does this shake up that tight end room? you got Hunter Long as a third-round pick. Durham Smythe's a free agent. I think Adam Shaheen's still under contract. Stephen Carter's still here, baby. He was a day two signing last year in free agency or even two years ago. I, I kind of lost track of that. So do you see this having a ripple effect on that tight end room? Because, man, if you're spending this much on one tight end, I thought keeping five around all last season was pretty crazy, especially when you consider how bad this team was at running the football. So I, I'm interested to see how you think that could impact that you know, room in, as a whole. Yeah, I mean, I, I was going to do the cop-out thing, and I was going to say we should just pretty much lock Durham Smythe up, right, and just run it back another year. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I see what you're saying, but again, when you look at what Mike Gesicki, if they reached a long-term deal, I mean, I still look at it as he'd be making $14 million this season or whatever the Dolphins are getting, you know, a $3 million bargain there. So I still view Mike Gesicki as this, you know, valuable asset that I, you know, you have to find a way to build that team around it, build that room around it, man. This NFL draft class absolutely has some big playmakers at tight end. Uh, Dulich, the tight end from UCLA, a couple other guys. I thought Cole Turner would be better, but he wasn't. But, I mean, again, they just invested a pretty high draft pick on Hunter Long a season ago. You know the transition for tight ends to the NFL is a little bit slower. Again, you bring in this new coaching staff, man. So I, I definitely think it'll impact that unit. I don't know if it'll, you know, maybe they can't bring in Durham Smythe. Maybe they don't resign him because Smythe goes somewhere else. And, you know, they just – allocate those resources elsewhere. I don't know, man, but I'm stoked that Mike is is locked up. I just hope that you mentioned, was it July 15th? Was that the deadline? I hope they yeah. find a way to get that long-term deal because otherwise we're right back in the same situation, man. And it just sucks because sure you look at the Dolphins team and for all those years, you know, you mentioned it feels like we never used the franchise tag, but we're starting to draft better. We're starting to get some of those pieces where playing these games of chicken for these contracts and different things like that. So um, hopefully they've reached a long-term deal with Mike is but uh, we could get off of here, man. They could be trading the, the charters for all we know. <laughs> that would be on par for us, man, when we do a podcast. Perfect. I'd be editing it in the middle of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the greatest LOL JK of all times. And two, Josh, we talk about how, you know, Gasicki set career highs and receptions and yardage a year ago. The context of that, man, that receiving core was absolutely brutal. I mean, Jalen Waddle, I think he played the highest percentage of snap, snaps among the playmakers, and Mike Kosicki was right beneath him. So I'm curious to see if the Dolphins, you mentioned the tight end depth in this draft. I'm hearing that it's a pretty deep draft in terms of wide receivers, not that you're going to get you know the top three studs that you did last season, but in terms of maybe finding guys in the third, fourth round who can step up and, and be pretty exciting early, I do wonder, you know, as they kind of rebuild that position group, I mean, Preston Williams suffered injuries. Will Fuller was what? 
fourth highest, fifth highest paid guy on the team last year. He played six snaps. Uh, Albert Wilson was Albert Wilson. So there wasn't a lot of depth at that position and the Dolphins needed to throw the ball to someone. So I'd like to see what happens when, you know, a, a third member of a big three comes to join, you know, Jalen Waddle, Mike Gesicki, whether it's Devontae Parker staying healthy, whether it's making a move for another wide receiver, I think his role is going to change. And I think it might be a little more seamless than we expect. And, and I could see him not becoming a blocker, but being that tight end instead of that receiver he was. And if, you know, we hear about some discussions about is he a tight end, is he a wide receiver? I think that McDaniel is going to use it more as a tight end than we have seen in, you know, the previous four years. Yeah, I agree with you. He played 72% of snaps last year. So that was by far the most of his career. I do want to make a joke or, you know, at least spiral out of control a little bit, you know, make this a little bit lighter. But did you see the whole thing people were making a big deal about? Uh, Micah, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick was at Micah Sicky's wedding, and I don't think anybody saw two of there. So <laughs> I was going to ask you, Jake, yes. if we should, um, you know, correlate it, uh, the fact that it looks like Micah Sicky's best season, you know, yards per catch touchdowns all came with Brian Fitzpatrick. So I was going to go down a rabbit hole there and see if there was any, uh, anything with that, Jake, but um, did what were your thoughts on that? Because I mean, it was just so ridiculous that, um, but that's Dolphins Twitter in the off season, right? Whatever we can get to make us feel some sort of emotion, right? Because then Mike Kosicki will comment on a post about Tua or something, and then it will be all back to normal. Uh, the Steph brothers memes will come back out. So it's just that wild desperation that you need in the off season to really find something to be excited about. And Hey man, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, the amount of confidence he gives to people, the amount of opportunities he gives them to grow, opportunities to make plays on the field. I mean, I don't know how you cannot love someone like that. I mean, I'm not going – I don't think I'm really wrong, correct me if I am, if we say that, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick helped Mike Kosicki become the guy he is today. I mean, it certainly wasn't that of case. No, and I mean, I go back to it. I mean, I know Brian Flores isn't here, but I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick, what he meant as far as a leader in that rookie, uh, you know, his first year building, I don't want to say culture because, you know, uh, I hate that word, but I mean, you definitely got to tip your hat to Ryan Fitzpatrick. I just thought it was funny, man. You're looking at, you know, yards per catch, 13.3, six touchdowns by Fargasicki's uh, best season so far. But again, I think in this system, you know, with the right coaching and yeah, just the right offense, man. I think he could ascend. I guess we have to talk about the elephant in the room, and that is what does this now mean for Emmanuel Agba? I don't know about you, Jake, but I think you and I both felt that, you know, if you're looking at this team, um, you know, you're not ball watching. Emmanuel Agba is clearly a more important that player. Uh, I hate to say that than a Mike Isicki, but I feel like, again, we're going to miss Emmanuel Agba when he does test for agency. It sounds like, um, obviously, his agent did not expect to get franchise tag. That did not happen. It does sound like he's going to test for agency. So just give me your thoughts on that, Jake, because um, this pass rush, this Dolphins defensive line is going to look much different without a guy like Emmanuel Agba out there next season. Matt, you could not be more right about that. And that's such... That instantly becomes Miami's biggest weakness on the defensive end is that depth at defensive end completely disappears without Aqua being there. And, you know, we saw Jalen Phillips really come into his own late last season, but he's only one guy, right? He's entering his sophomore season. It'd be kind of silly to really lean on that and expect him to go crazy. Andrew Van Ginkle, he is a great rotational guy. Vince Beagle, I'd like to see them keep him around. Uh, but man, Agbo was just a different type of player. And these are the conversations that I think are fun to have because this is us really talking about. It's so important to keep your good players around the dolphins. Now they've plummeted in cap space, Josh, they go from first in the NFL fall all the way down to third. They still have $52 million in cap space available. I think we both thought it'd be a little unrealistic to keep Agba at that 19 mil. But, man, this seems like a huge scenario where the Dolphins swung and missed in terms of locking him up for a couple more years. 
Uh, but then if you want to kind of pull the straws there, man, I go back to Andre Branch. He had that one good year, 2016, and then, you know, he got his three-year deal and, and the rest was history. I don't think he finished that Miami. Again, I'm not trying to compare the two. I think Agba does a lot more, especially against the run, the batted balls. I think that is always very underrated. But two, this is a guy who's, who's on his third team and he had his most success in Miami after two kind of shaky stops. I believe it was Cleveland and Kansas City. So it's about finding that ground of seeing what you value a guy at. And I think the Dolphins should be valuing Agba pretty damn high just for you know, just the development of this defense. I think, you know, you look at Byron Jones, you look at Xavier Howard, I think they are, you know, 1A and 1B on that defense. But I mean, B1, 1B, whatever you want to call it. I mean, that that's Emmanuel Agba. He's been the best defensive end we've had since Cam Wake. And guys, I'm going to trigger everyone. I'm going to say he's a more complete defensive end than Cam Wake. Wake, elite, pat, rushing the passer, always getting the quarterback. But Agba's just so versatile. You line him up inside, you line him up outside. He can do so many different things, and he just fits what this defense's identity is just so, so well. Yeah, and I guess it's um, ironic Wait, that they both were. They bo- no, they both were number 91, all right? I mean, I think Ooh. that so. I mean, there might be something there with that number. I think what's most frustrating is that you mentioned it, you know, whether it's Mike Kosicki, whether it's Emmanuel Agba. I mean, sure, previous years, you know, there have been players that, you know, fan base, you know, got behind, you know, Dolphins have to extend them early, whatever. I mean, these guys legitimately were, I think, you know, NFL's top 15 players, both of them landed there in the free agent market. So these were top tier players that, again, are inevitably going to hit the open market, man. But I wish the Dolphins would have locked up a 28-year-old Emmanuel Agba, you know, before the mm-hmm. season. So we're not doing this. You mentioned, you know, some of those other stops. I mean, he has, again, had his best seasons, like you said, man, since he's joined my the Dolphins. And I just want to say, you know, it almost seems like he's been a consistent. I mentioned on the last podcast, he was like a consistent robot, 40 some tackles yeah. each year, you know, nine sacks. I mean, 12 pass defenses this year. I mean, or the Dikembe Matumbos. I mean, he is an all around yeah. player, like you said. And again, I think maybe his best football is still ahead. I just cannot help but wonder what would happen to this Dolphins defense. You know, that secondary is awesome, but, you know, without Emmanuel Agba come breathing down the quarterback's neck, I mean, that changes some things. So hopefully, you know, hopefully there's a deal or we hear a breaking news. Adam Schefter reports that the Dolphins, you know, locked Emmanuel Agba because, I mean, I don't think he's going to make $19 million annually. I mean, I don't think that's mm-hmm. how this whole thing works, but he's going to, you know, fall somewhere in that 15. I don't know, man. I can't project what kind of contract he's going to get, but um, if him and his agent have their way, he's going to get a monster deal. And I, I hope it's from Miami. But at this point, Jake, I mean, it just feels like he's going to be playing elsewhere. I guess that I have to ask you, man, if you're looking at Emmanuel Agba, bringing him in, we talk about how important he is that defensive line. Would you be willing to let him test free agency, let him go elsewhere to maybe go out there and sign, you know, that uh, Teron Armstead or one of those other guys in free agency to sure up that offensive line? Because, yes, that defensive line um, is so valuable. But, man, to think that you could just take that, what, 15, 19 million and then look on the offensive line and bring in two starters, I mean, I don't know, man. That's that's just the toughest question about it all, right? And, you know, you start to pull it away because I think we had this conversation too when the Dolphins were still at $62 million. We, we mentioned, hey, that's going to go pretty damn fast. You know, you want to bring in a premier tackle, maybe even a premier guard. Uh, that, that money is instantly gone. So the Dolphins are sitting at that $52 million. You wonder if you give Agba $15 million, you're down to – 37 instantly, you know, Armstead, that's another 19 mil. You want to do that. You're down to 18 mil in cap space. You want to get a linebacker. You need to draft guys. So it's kind of a little bananas, man. When you look at how fast this cap space really dwindles down and what you can do about it and how you can try to be flexible with it. Yeah, we do have to remember, I mean, the salary cap is a little bit bogus, though, right? I mean, Jesse Davis can be cut. There's all sorts of players on this roster that could be cut, and, you know, we could make up some cap space there. So, 
Um, I don't know, man, lots of decisions, but I guess this is why we decided to play Madden, right? Because we can go <laughs> yes. out there and, and sign Emmanuel Agba and use or control him to get to the quarterback all day long and not care what those offensive linemen are going to do. Because let's be honest, in Madden, that could be a 99 offensive tackle and he's still walking around in circles oh, yeah. not knowing what the hell is going on. Last thing, Jake, before we leave, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, fifth-year option numbers came out yesterday. Teams have until May 2nd to exercise those options. Chris Greer hinted at it during his uh, combine presser, one of those that they were almost certainly going to pick up Christian Will Wilkins, but it looks like the number would be $10.753 million to exercise Christian Wilkins' fifth-year option. So roughly $11 million. Jake, you absolutely do that, right, for the way he's been playing, you know, to have him for his fifth season. And then at that point, again, he's another young player that the Dolphins have to find a way to lock up long-term. But that's a no-brainer, right, Jake? I completely agree that fifth-year option. But I think after that, we start to have the conversation of what he's worth. Um, and it comes down to, I think the depth that the, the Dolphins have had at defensive tackle is really helped Wilkins. You know, he can pick his spots. He can be a difference maker. And I'm not saying that as a bad thing. He's been put in such a great place to succeed. I do wonder if you are going to spend 14, 15 mil to keep him around for three, four years, if he can, you know, have that type of impact on the team where, you know, you might not be able to have a John Jenkins behind them or, or some of these other fun depth guys we've seen play well throughout the years. I wonder if that would kind of hurt them in a little bit, if, if that really makes sense. And that's what's so hard. I mean, obviously, I don't think the Dolphins have truly been very good at paying their own players. But every time, you know, they brought in a free agent or this or that, you know, they gave them that big contract. They've never lived up to those expectations. So um, you're right, man. Lock up that fifth year option. I think that price tag is freaking awesome. I think it would have shot up. Uh, it's ridiculous what it would have, how much more he would have got paid if he made the Pro Bowl one year or two years. And, uh, you know, when we sit here and look at what the Pro Bowl means, I mean, it's just crazy how much that factors in these players' money. But absolutely lock him up for that fifth-year option. Um, but, dude, what a day to be a Dolphins fan. I mean, I think we need a cigarette after this, right? I mean, we, we got our franchise tag tight end under contract. We're still waiting on pins and easels for Emmanuel Agba. I think six days away from the legal tampering period. That still sounds dirty as hell. But, dude, <laughs> Dolphins, man, Mike McDaniel, this franchise is going to look much different. And um, hopefully you're enjoying the show and you're going to be along for the ride because we got a long offseason ahead. Yeah, and it's awesome just the idea of, you know, so many fun plays happen when Gasecki's around. Even if he tries to hurdle someone and gets absolutely clobbered, he gets up, he's smiling, he's laughing, and that's kind of what we want in sports, right? We want to just have fun, and, and Gasecki really embodies that. And when I was looking at the cap face, man, I mean, the tag kind of seems like a no-brainer, especially if Gasecki and his agent's cool with it, because, man, you see the Chargers and Jags, who are now one and two in cap space, albeit, you know, four or five million dollars ahead of the Dolphins, I could see them, you know, paying for the teeth of someone like Gusecki to bring them in for their, you know, young quarterbacks to have that safety blanket at tight end. So it's good to have that locked up. It's good not to be worrying about that. And Josh, for eight days, man, we, we get to play Madden before things get really serious. Yeah, Madden's been terrible, man. So <laughs> <laughs> This is absolutely awful. But guys, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you like what you're listening to, make sure you subscribe, like, leave us a five-star rating. Leave us 10 if you can. I'm Josh Outs. Follow me on Twitter. I will do my best to tweet all things Miami Dolphins at H-O-U-T-Z. But please follow my co-host, the greatest co-host in the entire world, Jake Mendel at J-M-E. NDEL94. We have lots to talk about this offseason. We might even be back with a book club later this week, but thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of the Jake and Josh Show, part of SB Nation's Finsider Radio. I'm Josh Houts. That's Jake Mendel. We'll talk to you next time. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control.
Cause we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins. 